Hi, I'm Nina, and this is the fifth episode of the Postgraduate Environment Network podcast, PenPod. Today, I'm chatting with Adeline Stewart-Watt. Adeline currently works in climate change adaptation policy for the Victorian state government, which is a really fascinating and evolving area, which is something we discuss. I hope you find this chat insightful and make sure to follow the podcast as well as check out some of the many other excellent shows on the Climactic Podcast Network. Welcome to the show, Adeline. Thanks so much for joining us and we're really happy to have you. Thanks for having me, Nina. So I think to start off, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So um, at the moment, I work in climate change adaptation policy uh, for the Victorian government. Uh, and basically, to go into a little bit more detail about my what my job involves, uh, my role is to coordinate basically the development of seven climate change adaptation action plans. So there are seven areas across government that need to develop these climate change adaptation plans. And these areas are things like natural environment, primary production, health and education. Um, so these are the first time that these different areas of government have to develop the adaptation plans. So my role is basically to provide guidance and support in, in how to do adaptation um, and to make sure that they're all being done in a coordinated way. Uh, and some of you might know that my other work is at the University of Melbourne, um, and some of you might have had the pleasure or non-pleasure, depending on how <laughs> you interpret it, of having me as a tutor for interdisciplinarity in the environment or as a lecturer for the subject environmental policy. Uh, previous to these roles, uh, I worked as a researcher at the University of Melbourne, working on various environmental research projects. Um, and I've done some different stints at non-for-profits over the years. Uh, probably my favourite being one in Mexico, where I worked on some different projects to hold mining and wind farm companies accountable for environmental degradation um, and indigenous land rights. That was probably my favourite non-for-profit job. Basically, my educational background is formally in politics and international relations. Um, and then I moved into the environment space after that when I started becoming interested in climate change and how that affects issues of social and economic justice around, around the globe. Um, but interestingly, I first started my academic studies in, in mathematics, um, but then shifted towards the social sciences. Although it was very interesting, um, I was definitely interested um, in pursuing work that was about social change, so I ended up shifting into, into politics. So the job that you currently have sounds like to a lot of people who are in the master room environment, kind of like a dream gig. So I guess what I'm interested in is how have you found what the actual day-to-day -day job is like compared to what you thought role would be? Yeah, this is an interesting question because I'm not sure what my preconceptions of the role were before I, I started in it. I suppose some people might think it's a little bit working, like working on the TV show Utopia. Um, sometimes it can be uh, a little bit like that. Um, but I suppose to give you a little bit of an insight into sometimes what it feels like to work in government more broadly is it's basically like doing a group assignment all the time, yeah. um, which is very funny because I know how students feel about group assignments. Um, but basically... Doing good work by yourself only gets you so far. So you have to, you really have to be able to work with others um, and you do a lot of negotiating and influencing to get the results that you're after. 
So I suppose that's something I didn't have a preconception about, but was something that I learnt that was very specific to working in government, that you can't, you often aren't working a project by yourself that you then deliver. Um, it's very much about working with others, whether that be in your team or the area that you work in or across different departments across the public service. So that's quite different, I suppose, to some of my other roles working in small non-for-profit organisations. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, how's the day-to-day life compared to when you're in Mexico working for the non-for-profit there? I suppose working in a, in a non-for-profit, I worked on much more discrete discrete projects, uh, working with a smaller number of stakeholders. So it was easier to work solo on different projects. Uh, whereas in my government role, often a lot of my role involves talking with lots of different people, lots of meetings. Um, and it's very much about the long game, how, how you get a program, a policy um, up and implemented over longer terms and the kind of the longer term outcomes that you're looking for. Uh, so that's a, a big difference. Um, I suppose in terms of day to day, there's not that much difference in, in terms of when you're going to an office, you know, uh, working on bits and pieces um, every day and trying to get through them um, so, yeah, a day-to-day, I, I don't think there's that much difference. Um, but I suppose the time frame and the time horizon that you're working um, across is, is a little bit more different. And I suppose the amount of interactions you have and working with other people is, is, is very different. You mentioned teamwork. Are there any other skills which you've found to be most valuable that you use? Yeah, so this is an interesting question. And... It might not be specific to all roles in government, but definitely working the climate change adaptation space, uh, being able to apply new ideas to new challenges um, is something really important and valuable in working climate adaptation. So if we think about the fact that climate change, the climate change adaptation space is, is fairly new for some parts of government, not all. Um, so it doesn't have the same history of how things have been done in the past um, to base decisions off. Um, We don't have that kind of historical learning. So often there's no place to go to find an answer. Um, And trust me, I've tried because I've searched academic literature sometimes when I have a problem and looking for kind of an answer and and there is no answer to some of the challenges that we're facing when it comes to climate change. Uh, So being able to to find new ideas and apply them to, I suppose, what is a wicked problem um, is really, really important. So being able to think a little bit outside the box and apply some ideas that you have to an existing challenge and being able to work in a space where there's not a clear answer all the time or not a best way to do something um, is a really valuable skill to have. And I suppose this, this doesn't just apply to climate change adaptation, but kind of any environmental field where you're facing a particular wicked, wicked challenge. Um, I think you'll find this, find this, this skill is valuable. Um, I was just going to say, I think another key skill in my line of work, um, which sounds really trite and I know no one wants to hear, but it's being able to communicate well. Um, And I know it's said time and time again, but especially climate change um, being a seriously complex problem, you often only have sound bites of time or text to explain something to a minister or decision maker. And this can be very, very difficult when it comes to conveying uh, complex problems. So having good communication is really important to get your point across um, and also to avoid confusion sometimes. 
So being able to communicate your expertise in a way that's understandable for new audiences and being able to do it in a very brief, succinct way is really important to be able to progress your work and get the kind of outcomes that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I think that communication skills are something which are important almost in everywhere in the workforce. Mm -hmm. I guess my question following up what you said before was, so you mentioned that it's really important to be able to research and come up with uh, innovative ideas and things like that, despite, you know, working in government has kind of a stereotype of being quite bureaucratic. Do you find that your workplace is quite supportive of new ideas? That's a very interesting question. I think my area is supportive of new ideas because we know that we're dealing with new challenges. I think some of the challenges about new ideas is about the systems in place and the way of working um, that is that is becoming outdated, not just in the context of climate change, but in the space of of how rapid the world is changing and the new challenges we're facing. So I think government is open to new ideas. But yes, the, the systems that we have in place and the way that we've worked, um, and not just in government, is, is something that I think needs um, to change. So uh, one example might be about seeing risk. And obviously, I'm thinking about climate change risk in this specific example as being kind of something that you can plan for and manage um, in a very linear way. But when we think about things like climate change, or you could potentially think, I don't know, about COVID or automation or things like that, some of the challenges are inherently uncertain. And especially for climate change is probably there's, I suppose, kind of multipliers of risk. So being able to adapt and change um, to new risks is really, really important. I suppose it requires a different way of approaching problems that perhaps we're not used to doing in the past. That's a really interesting perspective and really good insight into how government works um, and leads quite well into my next question, which is where do you see this sector heading into the future? Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, so I won't speak about the public service in general because that's a pretty big topic if you think about some of the um, kind of trends for the future, uh, whether that be, um, you know, ageing population or automation, I think there's some big interesting questions about kind of the future of, of the public service and, and um, how it might operate. But in terms of climate change adaptation as a sector, there's a couple of things that come to mind. So first, I think, is the move away from seeing climate change as an environmental problem yeah. towards being more integrated into other sectors of society, um, for example, in health and education. So I think this is means that we're going to need a lot more people that have expertise, not just in climate change or climate change adaptation, but in other fields that are distinct from environmental studies. So perhaps, you know, having a transport background and understanding how climate change is going to specifically impact transport and how we might be able to better adapt. So I think the expertise that sits across climate change in another area that's outside of environmental studies is somewhat lacking. And I think that's going to be a real... There's going to be a lot of demand for those, that kind of skill set in the future. I think something else that is, is, is probably going to be a bit of a driver for the sector in the future is, is, is climate adaptation finance. So definitely finance for climate mitigation has been big over the last few decades, even if it hasn't been as successful as, um, as some might have hoped. 
But I think that climate adaptation finance is a little bit more complex. And that's because some of, I suppose, there's, there's not always the economic profits easily involved. So what I mean by that, for example, is that if you have a carbon reduction project, one way, for example, you could seek an economic profit is to sell carbon credits uh, from those reduction carbon reduction projects, or you might have energy efficiency measures or things like that, which have kind of an investment benefit. Whereas climate adaptation projects don't always have those clear economic profits involved. Um, so it can make it a little bit more difficult to engage with private sector finance. So I think this, this issue of climate adaptation finance is going to be a key issue in the next few decades that I see is getting a little bit of traction at the moment, but um, I think that's got a long way to go still. Thank you. It's really interesting to hear where you think the sector's heading in your perspective into the future. And I guess I'm just wondering, going back to your educational history, for students that are hoping to work in this kind of area in the future, mm-hmm. what things do you think would be valuable to study? Yeah, that's a good question. I suppose the, the difficult challenge about... Um, well, it's not a challenge. It depends on what policy area that you'd like to get in within government, if you're talking about government more broadly. Um, so obviously you could go into a very technical role um, or you could go into more kind of a policy-focused role. So it would depend on your interest. I think, obviously, in, in terms of kind of more formal academic study, anything that's uh, related to, to policy generally will give you a good background um, of you know how policy might be developed or or a bit of history about policy, but it probably won't give you the the kind of uh, soft or hard skills um, that that you're always looking for. Um, I know that this might be biased, but I do think that interdisciplinarity in the environment is a really practical um, uh, subject. And I think I, you know, in teaching this subject, I actually uh, often take notes for myself for my own job and see a lot of similarities between what is said um, in the in the content of, of that subject. And yeah, it, it definitely relates a lot to the work that I do. So I think that's, and I know uh, the master's environment, everyone is required to take that. But I think if you go into that subject um, with, I suppose, openness to learning, I think there's a lot of benefits to be gained. In terms of uh, less formal education, there's a couple of things, I suppose, any, if you're interested in working in government, any kind of experience in an office environment is always going to be useful. So if you're really keen, you can trade in that barista job for an admin or an office job, and that's going to um, give you a little bit more experience about what it feels like to work generally in an office, if you're you know, keen to do that. I suppose some more broad advice about... Um, Thinking through what experience might be useful. I think any any kind of experience uh, working, perhaps, for example, uh, in volunteer groups or other other groups where you practice working together. You know, speaking up uh, in group meetings, uh, having to deliver, you know, transform ideas into actions is all going to be really uh, useful because it's about practicing, you know, verbalizing your opinion and. Uh, working with others and turning ideas into 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 real things. So I think that kind of um, that kind of practice is really helpful. I suppose my general ad- advice, um, maybe outside of of developing new skills, is reflecting. I suppose on the how of 
of how you want to work and not just the what. So often we, we concentrate very much on the content of the job. So obviously I work in climate change adaptation, but something really important um, that you might want to test by working in different roles or by self-reflection is to think about how you like to work. So for example, if you hate working with people and you don't like sitting behind a computer, I don't think a government policy role is probably for you. Um, but the how is really important because that's that's the everyday kind of task that you're doing and it's going to be really important to make sure that you feel satisfied in the day-to-day workings in your role. Yeah, I agree completely. I think we focus a lot on what we want to be but not necessarily what we want to do um, on a day-to-day basis and that's something I've really experienced as well, getting into the working environment. Mm-hmm. And I suppose I just have uh, one final question Do you have any books that you'd like to recommend or readings or um, things people can explore further if they're interested in your field? I don't have a a specific book um, to recommend that's around climate change or climate change adaptation or I suppose working in general. But I think an interesting book that's been that I've had a lot of opportunity to reflect upon is a book called uh, Sand Talk by Tyson Juncker Porter. Um, And it's about Indigenous ways of thinking and how it might influence how we approach sustainability in the future. And it's definitely been a book that has inspired a lot of reflection um, and insight for me. So if anyone's interested in in thinking about different ways the world might look like in the future or different ways we might be able to approach sustainability, I think that's a a really good book. Great recommendation. Thank you. And just a final question, are you happy for students to contact you? Yes, totally happy for students uh, to reach out. Welcome to include my my email with the podcast. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was really interesting and I'm sure that students will get a lot out of it. Welcome. You're very welcome, Nina. (laughs) 